Okay, well, that video uh, made it farther in this service than it did in the last service, so it's been an interesting morning around here. I have to tell you a story from first service. Uh, you, I'm glad you all blew in, by the way, and um, during first service, was the storm was kind of going through here, and the wind was blowing against the back door of the of the stage here, but I didn't realize that's what was going on, and so throughout my whole message, first service, I kept hearing all these wind noises, and I'm thinking to myself, that's in the sound system. Why don't those guys take care of that? And uh, here all this while it was the storm blowing through and I had no idea what was going on out there. I want to say a couple of things as I get started this morning. Number one, I want to thank all of our volunteers who helped with our angel food distribution of food yesterday. Uh, angel food is something we've uh, been involved with for several months. And if it's a new concept to you, the basic idea is that for 30 bucks, anybody uh, can get about $100 worth of groceries. Anybody's eligible for it and you sign up ahead of time. Yesterday was our distribution day, and we served more families yesterday than we have at any time. And I just want to say thank you to our great volunteers who make that possible every month and to tell you you are making a real difference in our community. So thank you for being involved in that. Secondly, I want to say to you, thank you, all of you, for making this such a warm and welcoming place. We've had a lot of new faces over the past couple of months, and that's been really exciting around here. And as I have an opportunity to interact with a lot of those people, one of the things that seems to always come up is they say how warm and friendly and welcoming that all of you are. And so thank you for being that. Uh, keep being that to our guests. And uh, thank you for helping us to create that kind of environment in this place. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been exploring some of the enemies within that all of us seem to battle against in our lives. And we've looked at a couple already. We began the first week by talking about the enemy within called pride. And uh, we uh, talked about the fact that pride is at the root of so much of the sin that we struggle with in our lives. Last week we talked about the enemy within called bitterness and the reality that the first step to overcoming bitterness is learning to be forgiving. And we explored that together last week. Today I want us to talk about the enemy within called anger. And I'm guessing that uh, this may be one of the more prevalent or at least more obvious enemies within that we deal with in this whole series. Uh, my family and I, uh, last week, a week ago Saturday, were over in Fort Myers, uh, actually headed towards the parade downtown, and we were headed north on 41, and they're going to make a left on Boy Scout. And so as we were, as it became possible to start to merge over to the left to get into the turn lane, we did that, but a guy who was just a little ahead of us also began to, to merge over, which would have been no problem because there are two turn lanes there, but he kept coming, and so I slammed on the brakes and applied my horn just so he would know that we were there, and um, that really set him off. He uh, waved at us with an interesting gesture, and um, here was the bad part, though. We both ended up stopped at the light next to each other, and this guy was angry. I don't know. I guess just blowing my horn at him really set him off, but uh, he vented for the entire time that that light was going, some interesting colorful language that he used to describe me as a driver, and uh, I kept saying to my family, don't look at him, don't respond, just keep looking forward, it'll be okay. Honestly, inside, I'm thinking, the guy is going to kill us. Well, finally, the light turned green and we proceeded. Doesn't it seem like anger is everywhere these days? In fact, social commentators have called this the age of rage. And they're right. It is so prevalent in our culture. Well, it's addressed numerous times in the Bible, and I want us to look at several of those today. I want to begin with a passage that uh, Paul, who was one of the leaders in the ancient church, wrote. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he uh, says this in verse 26 about anger. He says, In your anger, 
do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And here's what I think he's saying as I read that verse. I think he presents an interesting contrast. Because I think on one hand, he, he admits that there is this emotion of anger that can be okay. Now, why would he say that? Because I think it's an emotion that God has given us. When we certain things happen in our lives, we feel the emotion of anger. When we're hurt, we sometimes feel angry. When uh, somebody takes something from us, sometimes we feel anger. When somebody uh, hurts us at work or cheats us or says something unkind to us, sometimes we feel angry. And oftentimes when we are afraid, we feel anger. Paul seems to say here that it's okay to feel anger, but it's not okay to act out that anger. It's okay to feel anger, but in your anger, don't sin. And I don't know if you're like me, but there have been an awful lot of times where I have felt the emotion of anger and I have let it cause me to do things that later I would regret. To say or to do or even to decide things in anger that later I would deeply regret. A lot of things that I've said in anger, I wish I could unsay them. And a lot of things that I've decided in anger, I wish that I could undecide them. And Paul seems to say we need to be careful that we don't walk across this line of moving from the emotion that we feel to acting out in anger. There was a video that I wanted to show you on YouTube today, but we had trouble getting a hold of it. And so uh, you can go to YouTube yourself, and I think if you typed in Angry Man Crashes Computer or something like that, you'll find it. But it's a guy working at his computer in his little cubicle, and he's just working away, but suddenly you can tell he gets frustrated, and so he kind of bangs on the keyboard, and then he keeps typing a little bit, and he bangs again. Now, obviously, banging's not doing any good, so he picks the keyboard up and swings it at his computer monitor, sending the computer monitor flying out of his cubicle, and then he gets up, goes around the desk, and gives it a good kick. I don't know if that really did anything to solve his uh, problem, but I guess he expressed his anger, and he definitely went from feeling anger to expressing it. I want to show you a story in the Old Testament that I think gives us some insight into, first of all, when does sin become anger? Or when does anger become sin? And then, and then how do we deal with our anger? Look at Genesis chapter 4. So right at the very beginning of your Bible, the first book in the Bible, and I encourage you to open your Bibles for this one. We're going to spend a few minutes here. And uh, it's right there on the first few pages, Genesis chapter 4. And uh, listen to what's written here. Great story. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, or he was a shepherd of sheep or some kind of livestock. Cain worked the soil. He was a farmer. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Now, biblical scholars have debated exactly why did God look unfavorably on Cain's offering and favorably on Abel's? Some believe that uh, God at some point had actually given some instructions that when they brought a sacrifice to Him, it was to be a blood sacrifice or the sacrifice of an animal and that Cain's actions had just been disobedient to what God had instructed. Other scholars believe that simply it had more to do with the attitude in which they brought their offering to God. That it wasn't that Cain brought the wrong offering, it was simply that he brought the wrong attitude. That his attitude towards God was not 
hey, I want to do this, I want to do this out of worship, but there was some kind of reluctance in his attitude. Whatever the case, God was pleased with Abel, but not pleased with Cain. Listen to what happens. And so Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now we're going to come back to this verse in a little bit because that's a great word picture that we get here of how sin works in our lives. But I want you to notice there that the writer seems to indicate that sin can rule over us or we can rule over it. And it's true when it comes to our anger. It can rule over us or we can rule over it. Verse 8, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. I don't know what Abel thought they were going to do out there, but obviously he had no idea of what his brother's intentions were. Because look at what happens. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. He murdered his brother in cold blood. His anger crossed the line. So in our lives, when does anger become sin? Well, the first thing I want you to realize this morning, anger becomes sin when it is directed at the wrong object. When it's directed at the wrong object. Cain was angry because God didn't accept his sacrifice. But rather than directing his anger at God, he directed at his brother Abel. Abel had done nothing to deserve Cain's anger. He was the wrong object of his anger. When we direct our anger at the wrong object, it crosses the line and becomes sin. When a guy takes his keyboard and swings at his monitor, when the problem is more likely a faulty CPU or some bad software, or most likely it's the computer operator, he's expressing his anger at the wrong object. When you come home screaming and yelling at your wife or your children because of something that your boss did at work or some guy cut you off in traffic, You are expressing your anger at the wrong object and you've crossed the line into sin. When you grow to hate an entire group of people simply because one of them did something that hurt you along the way, when you respond with that kind of prejudice, which is another form of anger, you have crossed the line and it becomes sin. When you express anger towards somebody even though they weren't the one that did anything wrong to you, you have crossed the line. If you get angry at a drunk driver who falls into temptation and steps outside of God's will, but they do something that injures you or your family, and you get mad at God instead of being mad at them, you've crossed the line because you've directed your anger at the wrong object. second time that anger becomes sin is when it is expressed inappropriately. When we express our anger inappropriately, it becomes sin. This is a true story about a guy named Ralph. He, uh, about 5 o'clock one morning, was sleeping really well, but suddenly he awoke to this noise on the roof of his house and he couldn't figure out what in the world was making this noise, what was up there. And so he decided, I'm going to go outside to investigate. And he, he walks outside and he looks up on the roof and he had an outdoor antenna. And I don't even know if most of you know what that is anymore, but a TV antenna on the top of your house used to be a prevalent thing. Uh, when I was growing up. And uh, he, he looks up there and sees this antenna and a woodpecker pecking against that antenna. And he thinks, I am going to get rid of that bird right now. 
finds the biggest rock he can on the ground and heaves it at the bird as hard as he can. I guess he didn't realize his own strength at 5 o'clock in the morning because the rock didn't hit the bird and it went sailing all the way over the house and he heard a crash on the other side. The rock had hit the windshield of his car. Well, he was really angry at that, so in anger at what he had just done, he spun around and kicked the rock, not realizing that he was barefoot. When we express our anger inappropriately, it becomes sin. When I give birth to my emotions, think about Cain. Cain expressed his anger inappropriately. Rather than pleading with God out of humility of, God, I I handled this wrong, or, or rather than realizing that, hey, the fault is all with me, Cain expressed his anger at his brother, and he did it inappropriately by lashing out at him and killing him in cold blood. It's not uncommon today, is it? Domestic violence, hurtful words, school shootings, people doing crimes of passion. What's been in our news all week? The retrial of the Gateway murders. You know what? That's anger that was expressed inappropriately. That's what that story's all about. And it's not just in the headlines. It's in our lives too, where we begin to express our anger inappropriately and we cross the line. You know what? Uh, if we were to divide ourselves into a couple of groups this morning in the way that we express our anger, we could, uh, the, the two groups would probably be one of these. You're either a spewer, somebody that explodes, or you're a stewer, somebody that just holds it all inside and lets it simmer. You know a spewer because they have a short fuse and a hot temper. And when they get angry, everybody around them knows. In fact, if you're honest this morning, how many of you would join me in saying that you're more of a spewer? Yep, some of you are. Yep, I understand totally because that's my tendency as well. I, uh, you know, it's always bad when you act out what you know you're going to preach about like the next day. And so I was watching the ball game, the basketball game with my boys yesterday and uh, was really unhappy about the way things were going and began to scream at the TV. You know, the guilt is immense later on when you realize, you know, I'm going to stand up and talk about this tomorrow. And look how I just spewed anger at the TV like that was going to change anything. Spewers, could I warn you as I warn myself, we have a great tendency to express our anger inappropriately. Listen to what Proverbs says in chapter 29. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. He says a fool is the one who gives full vent to his anger. And we are so foolish when we step across that line and give full vent to our anger. I heard about a, a driver in Philadelphia that was uh, came upon some construction and uh, Traffic was all bottlenecked because it was down to one lane. And so, you know, their cars were taking their turn, kind of alternating one car. And he waited and waited and waited and finally got up to the point of the bottleneck and it was his turn to, to go on through. And a car came flying up the shoulder of the highway and got right in front of him and then turned around and gave him this smirk, smart aleck kind of look. And this driver was furious. They kind of stayed close together as they made their way on up the highway, but they came to another place where there was a bottleneck and traffic stopped. And the driver who was angry reached into his back seat, took out a gun, and shot the man who had cut him off. That is anger expressed inappropriately. And the Bible warns us, don't give full vent to our anger. We're foolish when we do so. 
In fact, Proverbs 14 says it this way, a fool, a quick-tempered man does foolish things. Will Rogers said, whenever you fly into a rage, you seldom make a safe landing. And if you stop and think about it, it's true, isn't it? Seldom when I give full vent to my anger do things turn out well. And maybe your response is to say, well, you know what, I just blow up for a minute and then everything's fine. Well, you may be fine, but there usually are a lot of wounded people around us when we give full vent to our anger. Well, the rest of you, you're probably stewards. You take everything that happens inside and you hold it inside and you just let it simmer, sometimes for days and months. Well, don't worry, you're not off the hook this morning because your tendency is to allow that anger to linger. And that's another way that our anger becomes sin, when we allow it to linger. And some of you will allow anger to linger for a day, others for months or years. And all the time that you allow it to linger, you're giving Satan an open door to your life. In fact, listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 4.27. Back to the other passage we read this morning. It says, anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. It's the idea, the foothold is the idea of, of giving a, a place or an opportunity. And when we allow anger to linger in our lives, when we carry it around, letting it simmer in our lives, we are giving Satan this doorway, this opportunity to work in our lives. In fact, go back to that verse in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 that we read earlier. And you get towards the end of verse 7, it says, but if you not, do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's a wonderful word picture there. Sin is crouching at your door. It's the idea of an animal, a wild animal, who maybe lays in the bushes waiting for his opportunity to jump on his prey. I mean, you've seen this kind of thing on National Geographic. They, they lay there almost perfectly still and they wait and they wait patiently till their prey finally comes. And what happens when the prey shows up? They spring into action, don't they? And they attack. It's a great word picture of what Satan does in our lives. When we allow anger to linger in our lives, he waits and he waits and he waits and at just the right moment, he springs into action and he causes as much damage as he possibly can in our lives and in the lives of those around us. So what do we do about this anger? How do we keep it from becoming sin in our lives and how do I eliminate it? Let me suggest three things that can happen in our lives to help us get rid of anger. First, we need to identify the source of our anger. Usually when we get angry, there is something that causes us to feel the emotion of anger. And we need to identify what's causing me to feel this way. Uh, in, in my uh, car, my, I, have, I drive a little Scion that a lot of you make fun of. And... Um, in my little Scion, when the gas tank gets towards empty, there's this thing on the dashboard, a little gas pump that begins to blink, telling me I better get gas really soon. And I don't know if this happens to you, but it always seems like it blinks at the most inopportune times when I don't really have time, I think, to stop and get gas. And I've wondered at times, wouldn't it be nice just to eliminate that light, just to turn it off somehow? But that wouldn't be dealing with the real problem, would it? That's only a signal it's only an indication of what's really wrong. The real problem isn't with the light. The real problem is with the empty gas tank, isn't it? And a lot of times when anger flashes up on our lives, it's not the real problem. 
It's an indication of another problem that's going on in our lives that needs to be dealt with. When you feel anger, maybe it's because you've been hurt emotionally or physically in some way. Maybe when you feel anger, it's because you're frustrated. Maybe your schedule is totally out of control. There's no margin in your life and you just can't keep up with everything that's going on. Maybe it's frustration because of your children. They just won't, they don't seem to listen to you and you're, you're struggling as a parent. Maybe when you feel anger, it's because you're afraid. You're afraid there's not enough money in the bank to pay the bills this month. Or you're afraid you're somehow going to lose your house. And the anger that you feel in your life is only a symptom of the real problem. And while the anger needs to be dealt with, the first thing that needs to be dealt with is finding the cause and dealing with what else is going on in your life that causes you to feel angry. Second thing that needs to happen in our lives if we're going to get rid of anger is not do not allow it to linger. Don't let it linger in our lives. In fact, Paul says this in Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Eliminate it. In fact, here's a great word picture, I think, for what he says there in verse 31. If you're walking down the street, this probably happened to all of us, and you walk into a spider web, you don't see it and you walk right into it, I mean, what's your immediate reaction? Get it off of you, huh? Wipe that thing off, get it off your face to eliminate it from your life, from your being. Paul says that's the kind of attitude we ought to have towards anger. Don't allow it to linger immediately. Do whatever needs to be done to get it out of our lives. To get rid of it. In fact, Paul said in what we read earlier, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And I don't know if he meant that literally. Don't let your pillow, your head hit the pillow at night while you're still angry. Deal with it. But either way, the picture is clear, isn't it? Deal with it immediately. Don't carry it around for a day. Don't carry it around for a week. Don't carry it around for a month. Deal with it and get rid of it in your life. By the way, if Paul meant that literally, then in some parts of Alaska, you could be angry for a long time because the sun stays up for like months at a time in the winter, I think it is. Third, if we're going to get rid of our anger, we need to daily take some time to reflect on God's grace. Every day, we need to take some time to be reminded of the abundance of grace that God has poured into our lives. Let me illustrate that with a, a story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18. It's the story of an unmerciful servant. There was a servant who owed his master a lot of money. In fact, scholars tell us it could have been as much as millions of dollars. And I don't know how he had accumulated such a big debt, whether he had embezzled some money along the way, but somehow he had this huge debt that he owed his master and his master had threatened to throw him into jail. But the servant goes and begs for another chance and for forgiveness. And so the master relents and says, okay, I, I, I'll give you another chance. You keep working trying to, to pay it off. But for now, I forgive it. But when that man leaves the presence of his master, he goes out and he sees a buddy of his who owes him literally just a few dollars in comparison. And he says to his buddy, hey, I need that money back. I need it now. And his buddy pleads for a second chance and for some forgiveness. And he says, no, I've got to have it now. And he has his buddy thrown into jail because of the small debt that he owed him. Well, you can guess what happened when the master heard what his servant had done. The master had the servant who owed him millions thrown into jail. And basically the message was, if you're not willing to forgive others, then I'm not so willing to forgive you. 
Now, in that story that Jesus told, the servant represents all of us. And we have been forgiven a huge debt by God. The debt of our sin. All of us in our lives have sinned. We've done things that are wrong before God. And we have accumulated a huge debt of sin. But God, in His grace through Jesus' death on the cross, has said, you know what? Your debt to me, your sin, it's forgiven. It's erased. Then how, as a person who's been forgiven such a huge debt by God, how can I be so unwilling to forgive others who sin against me? Why wouldn't I be willing to forgive those who hurt me in the same way that God has so abundantly forgiven me? If you've watched the weather this week, you've heard them talking a lot about how dry it is around here. It's going to be a really difficult dry season unless we get some rain. The numbers are just huge. And we all know what happens when dry season comes. If the rain doesn't come, we end up with brush fires and wildfires, right? You know, 15 times in the Bible, the word anger and fire are used in the same verse. Wildfires happen in dry places. Anger erupts in dry places and dry people. If you look at your life and you think today, you know, I struggle so much with anger. Maybe it's because there is a dryness in your life, a spiritual dryness. Because you're not spending time with God. And what all of us need when we struggle with these kinds of things, we need abundant spiritual living water. We need large doses of it. And the way that we get that spiritual living water is by spending time in God's Word and drinking from the living water of the Bible. And we get it by spending time talking to God, drinking from the living water of prayer. We, spend, we get it by being at a place like this where we worship together and drinking from the living water of God. And this morning, if you're struggling with anger, if you look at your life and think, I, I've become a dry place. And that's why anger is such a struggle. Maybe it's time to drink the refreshing water, the living water of God in greater abundance of your life. And let that quench your thirst and take away the dryness. Some of you in this place today are experiencing it because you have never welcomed the grace of God into your life to begin with. You've never accepted God's incredible gift of salvation and forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ. You've never allowed Jesus to be the Savior of your life and to make Him your leader. And this morning, I'd encourage you, I'd invite you, I'd plead with you. Before you leave this place, there'll be some people down here in the front at the end. You need to come and talk to one of them about how you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. About how you could experience the living water that comes from God. And you could know the forgiveness of all of your sins. Let's pray together. God, I.